Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Sound like you got a cold, do you? Sound like you have a cold counting me down here. Uh, no. No? You feel good? Do I sound the same on the mic as I do in the comps? No, you sound good. I always sound good on the mic. It just sounds like you got a little bit of a cold, but... Uh, no, I've, I've had allergies pretty bad recently. Okay. Uh, live from Studio 6B on a, um, what's night is it? Thursday night, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Rick Delgado's here with the news. Um... Mm. Rick Amorati's got sports. Big game tonight. Yeah, big game out in Los Angeles. SoFi Stadium. Beautiful new SoFi Stadium. The home of the Super Bowl. I like we... that uh, shirt you're wearing. Oh, thank you. Gold. Gold. Yes, sir. Little little pattern in it. Yeah. yeah. A little pattern in the collar is big D. Yeah, very yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, Geo Fran here holding thank it you. down as always. So are we going to pick? Well, the game starts at 820, so we might as well pick it now, right? So uh, Right. Yeah. Because yeah. if you could get away with watching the first series and then picking it, <laughs> I know you would. Wouldn't well, you? Wouldn't what? anybody. You know, what? Um, <laughs> you know what? I think you should be offended by that. That's what? not nice. Rick. What? He's, yeah, he's challenging my uh, no, Yes. I'm ethics. just saying you're always looking for an edge, as like just like you just said, as would anyone. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is that if he's not if he's not cheating, he's not trying? Exactly. If you're not, tr- if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So. Well, well he, I'll tell you who's not cheating and not and they're trying, but it's not working. Is every professional sports team, uh, including the NFL, because the rate of vaccination in all of these sports professional sports leagues are like ninety five percent and above, and um, you know cases are just through the roof, in in all of them, cases are through. I think the NBA is like ninety eight percent vaccinated, the NHL is almost a hundred percent. Um, NFL's like 95%. NFL today is making all kinds of changes. <laughs> yeah. We're changing this. We're changing. Okay. 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 Make the changes, Roger. Oh. Make all your changes. Keep telling us, you know. They literally. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what, you know, it's like, it, it's like the gig is up here, guys. The gig is up. They literally move in the goalposts. Literally in football. I, I mean, it's just. I mean, some of the things you're seeing. It, uh, it, it's head scratching. What you just did, it's head scratching. Because everything they kept telling you, oh, you get, you get the vaccine, you're going to be fine, and it's going to be great. Everybody can go to games. All the players, you, can, you, you don't have to wear a mask on the field. You're all going to be good. Now, all of a sudden, they, they're locking people down. Oh, I'm going into protocols. What is protocols? Are you hurt? No. I got a sniffle, or I was around somebody with a sniffle. Oh, well, geez, now you can't play. I said to, I said to my wife, I said, um, have you realized yet that all of our friends who actually are vaccinated are the ones who are most nervous <laughs> <laughs> about living their, just go about living your life? Uh, they're the ones who are the most nervous. It's, uh, it's like, I wonder if they've stopped for a second to think about it. 
Like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> we got vaccinated, you know, especially for the my friends of mine who are young or other parents, young, like, you know, 45 or, or younger. They're the ones who are the most worried about just everyday life. And I, I, I want to stop them and go, well, what are you worried oh, that about? doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, if you were going to be this way, why would you do it? Like, the idea is you went and got vaccinated because you thought, you know, I just want to go live my life and be done with this. Not only that, it takes this, this weight off your, off your chest like, oh, now I feel like I'm going to be safe. You know, they kept telling everybody, if you do this, it'll be safe. You'll be fine. But now, you know, you talk about all these people walking around like nervous wrecks. Oh, my God, they're the worst ones. <laughs> They're the worst ones. They don't know what to do. You know, I went back again. I, I, I got to tell you, I can't, I can't. There's not many things I recommend on this show. One of them I'm going to get to that I did recommend this year. That's going to be the number one best-selling book of the entire year. Uh, we'll get to that in one second. But I mean, I can't recommend enough. Go listen to Joe Rogan and Peter, Dr. Peter McCullough. Oh, I'll listen to it, it again. No, I listened to the first hour again. Okay. And there's a lot of things I missed the first time. Um, I listened to the first hour and 10 minutes again today. It's just fascinating. I'm going to finish it tonight after the show on, when I get home. But the, as they talk about this psychosis of, of, of people now, and just whether it's on masks or vaccination, or it's, it's, it's almost like some form of, uh, you know, the way he describes it, obviously, is much better than I could describe it, but it's just so true. And of course, he, as I, Dr. McCullough says, you know, to have that kind of psychosis, you have to have willing participants. And of course, right. you know, uh, just the way he lays out, I mean, he really lays out, if you really listen to what he says, he really lays out, well, the great, I mean, if everything he said, you were to believe it's the greatest scandal in all of humanity ever, nothing even comes close because he basically says that it just was all planned. So you're saying that the, uh, the pandemic movie was actually spot on. I didn't did, see did it. Did he so, reference it? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, he does not. But you know, and he doesn't say it in that way. Right. Like that makes you think this guy's a whack job. He, he, you know, like most people thought Judy Mikovits was or whoever that movie was about. Not that she, I'm saying, not that that's not my words. I, I don't think she is at all. We ha, do we have her on the show? We had someone on the show. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't um, think we had her. But when you listen to Dr. McCullough, he just lays out. Now, certainly, Joe Rogan's not there to. I mean, when when he has questions, he asks them. But they're certainly not there to. There's no point counterpoint in the interview. Obviously, it's his side of it. Right. But the way he lays out the points to say, well, you know, Joe, how do you explain this? Even down to, he covers the, remember, and we used to talk about it on the show, the death, the, you know, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. All yeah. of these CNNs with the charts of deaths and cases. He says, did you ever stop to think, how are they getting these numbers in real time? How are they getting them? He says, you know how many death certificates I've unfortunately had to um, be a part of? He goes, they don't come to me for like four months when I fill one out, I don't get the final one back. How are the networks getting all of these numbers in almost literally real time? So he brings up things like that. He brings up just other 
you know, uh, other points of things that you just, I guarantee there's things here you're gonna, you didn't know. It, it sounds like a series of things that make you go, hmm. Does it, I don't even know you if know, it just makes you go, hmm. It, well, it just makes because, you. Because, I mean, the questions that he asks, it just, it challenges you to go, you know, to kind of, especially if you're on the other side, it would challenge you to say, well, how did we come up with those numbers? You know, if you're at CNN, go, hey, hey, by the way, hey, guys, how did we come up with the number that's scrolling over here? If he ever had the opportunity to pose that to them live on the air, because they wouldn't be able to answer that. And even the person providing that number probably couldn't even answer that. I'll tell you the other thing he brings up, which, I again, I learned a lot listening to it a second time. I'm only an hour and 10, 20 minutes in. I'm going to listen to the other hour and 20 but I missed. I really did miss the uh, the first time I listened to it. I missed the idea that he brings up to Joe Rogan. He says, "If you think about all the medical facilities, all the medical centers tied to Harvard, Yale Medical Center, Harvard Medical Center, um, he brings up three, four, five. He says there's 300 hospital systems. I think is what he says, tied to universities. He says, do you know to this day?" There's not one of them that has designed their own protocol for treating COVID-19 patients early. Not a one. Why is that? How is it that Harvard, Yale, all these other medical centers, UCLA, uh, all these other places tied to these universities with these big endowments and these big, not one of them has their own protocol for, for treatment outside the hospital for, uh, for COVID-19 two and a half years in. He said, I had my own protocol that I worked on immediately in Texas because I, just, I wasn't going to let patients die. I had to start treating them. He said, do you know of all these facilities we have, these colleges, these universities, these medical facilities, these, uh, all these institutions tied to all this research and money and doctors and, 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 and infrastructure not one of them has a has a has their own protocol that they've that they've come up with right hmm. i mean it's just it's fascinating it really is fascinating it, i really encourage you it's it is long but man i'm telling you it is worth the listen it's on spotify the video's on spotify too i think it's pretty much you can sign up for free and watch it and listen to the whole thing over and over again if you want to and that's interesting that you bring that up, that nobody's developed their own protocol because somebody like a Dr. Zelenko has a protocol. There was also the studies that were, was it in, in Switzerland or Sweden, where the, that one doctor was treated like 2,000 patients. He was using hydroxychloroquine, zinc. He had had something that he found that was working with like 2,000 patients. Nobody had died. And they had figured out, you know what, if you start this treatment early, it really brings down the opportunities of that person ending up in a hospital. Of the spike protein. And he, and he, he makes the point to Joe Rogan. He says, the spike, the spike protein in this is obviously... This is why you see the news today of this. Oh, the J and J. We gotta, uh, we're gonna, uh, we gotta, we gotta go away from the J and J. We gotta go to the. We're gonna fact favor more the mRNA vaccines, the other two over the J and J. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what what's the difference in the actual delivery system? The the spike protein, which is causing all the problems, is the same across the board in all three, I believe. So the, this 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 politicking that they do to somehow the J and J is um, 
you need to stay away from because of this rare, as they call it, blood clotting problem. I, I would say the word rare there is probably not the proper one. I'd say, un- unfortunately, a little too common would be a, more better, a better description of it than saying rare. But um, the spike protein across the board in all three, I believe, is exactly the same. What's the, what is the difference whether it's delivered from Pfizer or Moderna or J&J? Right. They make you believe somehow that the other two are better by demagoguing the J&J one that they've done, that like they did today in the news, but I don't believe there's much difference, honestly. Couldn't tell you. Um, but again, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it, because you absolutely will learn a lot. So the other thing I want to just touch on before we hit the first break, and, and as I said to you, it's not many things I recommend that strongly, but I did recommend you buy American Marxism. And Levin's book, as uh, Paul Bedard wrote in the Washington Examiner today, an amazing victory over cancel culture without any advertising, big media reviews, or even a C-SPAN book chat, Mark Levin's American Marxism is heading to be the top-selling book, the top-selling book, period, for all of 2021. According to publishing industry sources, Levin's call to action sold more than 1.2 million copies in several formats, including 1 million in hard uh, copy, hard, you know, hardback. Amazon is headlining it as the nation's best-selling book all year. Levin, the, the fact that Levin could sell so many despite a media blackout of his 309-page bestseller published by Simon & Schuster is a win over the national campaign to cancel critics of progressives, Democrats, and Hollywood. And I'd say it's more, to me, of a picture of where the country is at, that they're sick of their country, uh, what they're seeing here to happen to their country. They're sick of these people in charge of it. And to me, it's more a reflection of that than anything else. Hi, live from Studio 6B, 13 past the hour. Glad you're in. Lots to do. News and sports coming up. We're back right after this. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Before we get to sports here in just one second, I just want to remind you, books like Bob Woodward received so much coverage, of course, because it was a you know, takedown of Trump. You know what that book ranked? 23rd on Amazon's bestsellers of 2021. 23rd. And remember, he was all over. Right, I mean, on, they they were promoting that book and him like crazy. He was on more TV than Doc. The only person on more than him was Fauci, Bob Woodward, 23rd. So so uh, good for Levin. And uh, again, I think it's just a um, I think it's just a reflection of where the where the country is at as things build towards these midterms. So. All right, let's do some sports. Let's first of all, we got to pick the big game here. Um, and here with the uh, sports is Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? Well, big day. If you want to continue a little bit, we got kick off two minutes. We could do this. No, in no, yeah, right, not, yeah, yeah, I know what you're up to. <laughs> all right, here we go, Big D. Oh, go out to SoFi Stadium, wow. beautiful new sparkling stadium. We're gonna go with. Uh, I got to go with the. Well, Chiefs. Who's the game first of all? Kansas City okay. and the Rams. We said that earlier. And uh, oh, right Kansas now, the City who? Kansas City Chiefs. And who? Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers. Yes. 
Not the okay. Rams. Re- they, uh, Chargers they play are in home. the same stadium. Yeah. Chargers are home. Chargers are home, and they're getting three points, so they're actually the underdog at home, which is you know kind of unusual. Uh, but the Chiefs, the the favorite team is fifteen and five against the spread, fifteen five and one to be exact. And uh, I think I'm going to have to roll though with the uh, I'm going to roll with the Chiefs because uh, they've been playing really well. They've won six in a row. Patrick Mahomes hard to bet against him, um, although Justin Herbert is playing. Fantastic, but they did beat up on a giant team that's well, pretty beat down. So me, you, Rick, Gio, and Fran could do that. <laughs> exactly. So. so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I'm gonna go with Patrick Mahomes. A lot of my Twitter followers are from that Missouri area, and uh, I don't want them yelling at me all night. So we're gonna go with Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'm gonna give you the three points, Big D, and yes, then tomorrow are. we'll get into the rest of our score, our bets for the weekend. Okay, that's a good betting strategy. Bet against what your Twitter might give you a hard time about. So that's, I mean, we're going five on this game or all the whole thing? We're, we're going to go five. We're not going the whole thing. I don't feel that confident. I mean, I vacillated back and forth on this game okay. all night. So uh, it was a tough, tough pick. In fact, if it was three and a half, I probably would go with the Chargers because I think it's going to be probably around three, four-point game. Okay. Uh, be tight. So that's that. A uh, couple NBA scores, updates. The Sixers right now trail the Nets 47-31 in Brooklyn, uh, and Knicks just underway down in Houston against the Rockets. They're up 15-14, 6.32 to go in the first. NHL action, uh, UBS Arena that I've named the U Bailey score in Belmont, the Islanders' new arena. They're actually up one nothing over the Bruins, end of the first period. And uh, the Flyers and Canadians are tied at one in an empty arena. I'll have that story a little bit later, and that's with 8.26 to go in the second period. Big news broke last night, night um, after we got off the show, Big D. Sure you saw that Urban Meyer fired as Jacksonville Jaguars head coach amid rocky first year. That's understated. Michael DeRico of ESPN. Jacksonville, Florida, the Jacksonville Jaguars have fired head coach Urban Meyer, ending a tumultuous tenure with the franchise after only 13 games. After deliberation over many weeks and a thorough analysis of the entirety of Urban's tenure with our team, I am bitterly disappointed to arrive at the conclusion that an immediate change is imperative for everyone, owner Shad Khan said in a statement released early, uh, earlier today. I informed Urban of the change this evening. As I stated in October, regaining our trust and respect was essential. Regrettably, it did not happen. In the spirit of closure and recharging our players, staff, and fan base, I will not comment further until some point following the conclusion of the NFL season. Uh, offensive coordinator uh, Daryl Bevel will serve as the interim head coach for the remainder of the season. You can see it coming. Um, you know, I think the last blow, Big D, was kicker Josh Lambeau coming out with the fact that as he was stretching during warm-ups, he actually got kicked by Urban Meyer, basically kicking him. And he said on a scale of five, of 1 to 10, it was about a 5 to kick. And he said that he said, hey, you better, you know, mostly very condescending, you better make that you know what kick uh and just kicked him i mean that was just terrible i think once you know the owner saw that he said i'm done between what happened in ohio uh you know uh, with the uh young lady giving the lap dance we talked about that and you know trevor lawrence's uh, development has just been absolutely abysmal we know he's a fairly talented uh quarterback you know he came out of school as one of the highest recruits ever but this is just really just turned into a disaster i thought they'd get through the season i really did big d but uh they just couldn't make it it was just absolutely Absolutely terrible. Uh, plus, they got shut out on Sunday. They lost twenty to nothing to Tennessee. Uh, that's the first uh, uh, shutout during Chad's ownership, uh, Con's ownership. So it was just it was time for him or my. I don't even know where he's going to land. I don't even know if he's going to if any college teams are going to pick him up. I really don't. Keep your eye on Texas. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I don't think Steve Sarkeesian is long for uh, hook'em horns, but we'll see. A lot of movement in college football with coaching this year. Biggest yep. ever. Um, and that's a wrap in sports. Big deal. I'll have some other stories a little bit later. All right, Rick. Thanks. Let's do some news and hear what that's the other. Rick, Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. Well, I'm going to keep it in the sports world for you. So, Rick, feel free to chime in as well. Parents at the University of Pennsylvania, their women's team, have written a letter urging the NCAA to change its rules on transgender athletes in response to Leah Thomas, a biological male, dominating the competition. The letter obtained uh, by the Daily Mail was sent from ten from the parents of ten swimmers sent on December fifth and lamented the new precedent that that has been set that could potentially destroy female sports at stake here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's already destroying female sports. The letter said the precedent being set, one of which women do not have a protected and equitable space to compete, is a direct threat to female athletes in every sport. What are the boundaries? How is this in line with the NCAA's commitment to providing a fair environment for student athletes? The letter called on the NCAA to address the uh, controversy instead of sweeping it under the rug. And of course, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk. There's been it, it, I don't know if you've seen any of the video of some of the competitions where this guy finishes 40 seconds ahead of the rest of the field, and uh, it, it's pretty disheartening when you watch this. And some of the uh, some of the teammates there, some of some of Thomas's teammates have actually spoken out, though they've done so uh, anonymously, of course, because they don't want to be uh, you know. Attacked. Yeah, they don't want to be attacked because uh, they're defending them themselves. Uh, one UPenn swimmer who's remaining anonymous for obvious reasons said that pretty much everyone individually has spoken to the coaches about not liking this. Our coach just likes just really likes winning. He's like most coaches. I think secretly everyone knows this is wrong. The whole team is together. We but 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 we have to be like, oh my gosh, Golia, that's great. You're amazing. It's all very fake. The uh, teammate also said the Ivy League is not a fast league for swimming. So uh, that's why it's particularly ridiculous that we could be potentially having an NCAA champion. That's unheard of coming from the Ivy League. On paper, if Leah Thomas gets back down to Will Thomas's best times, that was his name before he changed it, those numbers are female world records. Faster than all the times world and Olympic champion Katie Ledecky did in her competition. Faster than any Olympian, Olympian you could think of. His times in three three events are world records. So right, that was a story we had run. You know, a lot of that last week, uh, and there was a follow up, and that's one of the stories I did have in my sports report, Rick, as well. And uh, the University of Pennsylvania did respond. NCAA has not responded yet. The letter was sent back on December fifth, so you know, week and a half ago. Uh, but uh, they said, uh, please know that we fully support all our swimming student athletes and want to help our community navigate Leah's success in the pool this winter. The school said Penn's athletics is committed to being a welcoming and inclusive environment for all our student athletes coaches and staff and we hold true to that commitment today and the future uh, we've encouraged our student athletes to utilize the robust resources available to them at Penn and I'd like to share them with you as well uh, and then they didn't go on to say anything else but uh, it's unbelievable so this is all about the testosterone suppression treatment that they have to undergo I guess a year prior supposedly Leah did do that and they feel it's on equal footing but it's not it's not it's crazy yeah, it's I mean, you can't close. you know crazy I mean he, he even went a, a, about boasting how easy his victories are he said, that was so easy. I was cruising, uh, Thomas was reported as saying. At least I'm still number one in the country. So This is going to destroy uh, sports for college. Crazy.
All right, more news when we get back live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b on a thursday night lots to do tonight glad you're in let's do a little more news with rick delgado and here he is with that news what's going on pal all right well do you remember that ceo from that uh, company better.com that i brought up last week yeah the, the guy who fired everybody on the zoom call yeah well uh turns out the ceo who fired 900 employees on a zoom call has now been fired In a tragic example of how not to manage people, CEO Vishal Garge uh, started off by taking a a leave of absence after the controversy of firing 900 people via a Zoom call meeting that he invited them all to and letting them know that they were invited just to be told that they no longer had jobs at the company. Um, Well, turns out he then took a leave of absence And then the board came back and told him, you should probably stay absent forever and not come back. Why don't you extend that leave of absence (laughs) to, like, forever? Yeah, in a blog post he wrote, I want to apologize for the way I handled the layoffs last week. I failed to show the appropriate amount of respect and appreciation for the individuals who were affected and for their contributions to better. Now Garge himself is out, at least for now. An email to employees from the board of directors that was first reported by Vice said that Garge is taking time off effective immediately. And then he will, he will have the company CFO manage the day-to-day operations. In the email, the board said that the company was taking steps to build a better, long-term, sustainable, and positive culture at, at better.com. We'll be back uh, to that in a minute because it's important. First, it's worth mentioning, this is the first time that Garge has shown a lack of respect and a lack of people management skills. Last year, Forbes obtained an email where Garge told employees, you're too damn slow, you're a bunch of dumb dolphins, Dumb dolphins get caught in nets and eaten by sharks. So stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. You're embarrassing me. Um, He also threatened to to set a former business partner on fire and engaged in hostile exchanges with investors calling one sewage and demanding he divest from the company. All this comes as Better was preparing to become publicly traded through an SPAC merger earlier this month. Hopefully they can build back better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so wait, uh, but is he actually fired yeah he, he was uh, he was removed by the board removed or fired i guess you're fired you're removed he's not coming back <laughs> he's so, not coming back okay uh, they're, they're, they're they're now looking to find a new ceo anything else it might suggest would be a waste of time uh the most important thing you can do as a leader isn't setting a strategy or communicating the vision it's leading people that's the number one job obviously um Garge was not very good at it. Okay. Interesting follow-up to that story. Better.com will hopefully uh, end up better for it. Uh, In another story we're going to follow up, remember last week we were talking about that CNN producer who was uh, arrested after he 
or was it earlier this week? I'm not sure. Yeah, it was uh, earlier this week. Yeah, it was earlier this week. Well, yep. this came out last night, and I got to thank the uh, the people on Telegram for posting this, and I caught it. It was a follow-up. It turns out a Nevada criminal complaint against the mom who allegedly pimped out the daughter, the nine-year-old daughter, to the CNN producer uh, disclosed new details about the sick arrangement. And what's even more interesting is that John Griffin, that's the CNN producer, seven uh, devices for him were seized 17 months ago before he was actually arrested. Yeah. I saw this and people were speculating, why was that? It had something, did it have something to do with the election or something like that? Is that what, is that what you're talking about? It, it, it was a strange twist. And after the woman's arrest that came in August of 2020, federal investigators, like I mentioned, seized computers, storage media, devices, phones, cameras, uh, you name it, all from Griffin on September 2nd, 2020, according to the court documents. Uh, prior to the arrest and indictment, uh, CNN says they had no knowledge about the case. The media outlet also said no CNN-owned devices issued to Griffin went missing or were reported lost in September of 2020 when investigators seized some of his electronics. The federal indictment accuses him of trying to entice minors. We went over that um, to his vacation home in Vermont for sexual encounters. And the woman, it turns out the woman is not the child's actual biological mother the woman is actually the adopted the adoptive mother um the the biological mother lost custody and does not have custodial rights and when it came time for the adoptive mother i guess the the biological mom found out what was going on and the victim's biological mother discovered it because the adoptive mother was logged onto the daughter's smartphone and saw some of the text messages going back and forth with uh, sex toys bondage and activities and, uh, you know, decided to get involved. And I guess that's, that's when the FBI got involved. So it, it's kind of a twisted story. It's taken some more twists and turns. It'll be interesting to find out why exactly all those devices were uh, taken into custody so long ago, but this guy was still walking around and working at CNN. Because now you're starting to think, well, if he was still working at CNN, were they after somebody else at CNN? I don't know. How many of these guys are there at CNN, I wonder? CNN been reporting on this in any of their news? No, probably uh, not. Let me check. Yeah, it's yeah, not sure. on. No. I wonder um, how long it'll be before this guy's back over maybe at the Lincoln Project. He seems like he'd be a perfect fit there if he uh, ever gets past this. He might be a good addition over there. But uh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it, is, it is. The timing of it is extremely, extremely strange. It, not only the timing, but the fact that they knew about this. They seized those devices 17 months ago. And he remained there, yeah. And he remained at CNN, continued to do what he's doing. Did they flip him? Did they say, you know, you're going to wear a wire for it? Who knows? It'll be interesting to find out when more of this story breaks. So. Yeah. All right, and that's about all I got for this segment. All right, uh, we'll do more news with Rick coming up. So let's talk a little bit about the January 6th uh, phony nonsense committee we know adam schiff by the way the great one levin on his show brought up i thought an excellent point how does this guy still have a license to practice law he's an, he's an attorney he fabricated evidence where, where are the complaints to the um california state bar or whatever it would be how does this guy still have a license to practice law where are the complaints 
It's California. I believe any I believe any citizen of California can make a, a make a uh, complaint. By the way, and there's plenty there who would because we have a lot of listeners from California, and anyone who listens to this show would be somebody who would. So that's point number one. But then point number two, moving to the other dirtbags on this committee would be Liz Cheney. Well, guess what? The Federalist today has a piece. January 6th committee fabricates more evidence. And that would be one Liz Cheney. Says Trump waited 187 minutes to call for peace. It was actually 25 Wyoming Republican Representative Liz Cheney, the fact that they use the word Republican still is a joke, went after former President Donald Trump in her primetime performance on Monday, claiming that private messages of the president's staff revealed an apathetic leader complicit in the riot at the Capitol as the attack unfolded. Quote, the violence was evident to all. It was covered in real time by almost every news channel, channel said Cheney. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's hand-picked vice chair of the select committee on January 6th. That tells you a lot, too, by the way. But for 187 minutes, this is still a quote of hers today, but for 187 minutes, President Trump refused to act when action by our president was required. Indeed, essential, she said. Uncompelled by his oath to our Constitution, end quote. That's Liz Cheney today. Trump's 187-minute delay to action, she added, was a, quote, supreme dereliction of duty. You know, you know she's been hanging out with Pelosi too long, because that's Pelosi's favorite phrase. An actual examination of the day's events, however, well, shows no such delay. According to a detailed timeline of the turmoil by the New York Times, the first building was not breached until about 2.13 p.m., The timeline was corroborated by the Washington Post, which stamped the first break-in at 2.15 p.m. Trump's first tweet addressing the upheaval shortly followed at 2.38, when the president made a plea for peace, writing, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. About 30 minutes later, Trump addressed the demonstrators again on Twitter. He tweeted, I'm asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence, the president tweeted. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. At 4.17 p.m., Trump posted a video on Twitter urging rioters to go home a message that was promptly suppressed across the platform. So the question is, exactly where did Liz Cheney come up with the 187-minute delay? It's unclear where she came up with this. If starting the clock from the time Trump finished his speech at the White House at 1.10, unrest at the Capitol gates had already been ensuing for about 20 minutes during the address, Trump explicitly called on those gathered to protest peacefully. Cheney's office did not respond to the Federalist inquiries. This is not the first time Cheney or the January 6th committee have gone after President Trump and Republican voters with the creation and deployment of fake news. In the election year summer of 2020, Cheney was a primary purveyor of the fake Russian bounties story. 
which alleged that President Trump downplayed Kremlin aggression to accelerate the timeline for troop withdrawal from Afghanistan. By the way, Cheney never apologized. At the same hearing on Monday where Cheney made up her own timeline of the Capitol riot, Representative Adam Schiff read text messages between Ohio Republican Jim Jordan and former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, which have now been revealed to be fabricated. The exchange, Schiff said, exposes a lawmaker pressing the vice president to unilaterally deny certification of the Electoral College votes as unconstitutional. The real message, however, was forwarded to Meadows from Jordan, originally written by Washington attorney and former Department of Defense Inspector General Joseph Schmitz. The message, a a sliver of, of which Schiff took out of context, adding punctuation and cooking up a fake graphic to illustrate it, was part of a four-page document that outlined the legal reasons behind Vice President Mike Pence's authority to object to electoral certification from a handful of states. The document was published uh, publicly ahead of the January 6th. The January 6th committee later confirmed to the Federalist reporting and admitted that the messages were doctored. The select committee is responsible for and regrets the error, they said. So here, you, once again, you just have more, well, showing of their colors and what this is, whole thing is really about, which is just a total absolute farce. And the people acting like they're the big investigators are the ones who should be investigated, including uh, Nancy Pelosi, for what she knew and when did she know it. As the president offered up 10 to 20,000 National Guardsmen and was denied, was told we don't need that. So the person doing the investigating is the one who needs to be investigated. And that's the bottom line on that. So, All right, more news, more sports. When we get back live from Studio 6B on a Thursday, Crazy Town coming up, LOL the day. Lots to do. Glad you're with us. B13 till the hour on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Got a bunch of stuff to get to, including that WTF from yesterday that we didn't get to yesterday. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the things during this whole pandemic is you want you, you'd like to try to think that you're being well. I mean, we know we're being led by you know mostly quack, quack. a bunch of quacks. Well, that's also true of uh, Dr. Fauci's boss, as we found out yesterday. I'll show you that video. But uh, let's do a little more sports here with that. This is Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? All right, big deal. Let's get an update on that Monday night football game. Uh, bizarre uh, opening game where the Chargers drove all the way down to the five-yard line. Young man caught what appeared to be a, a, a touchdown pass, but uh, he got injured. I didn't see the uh, sh- the clip. I know you did, uh, D. It was a crazy opening. And then the Chargers uh, did not score, and the Chiefs got the ball, went 95 yards. Michael Burton on a seven-yard run up the middle, and Chiefs lead 7 nothing with about seven and a half 
half minutes to go in the first quarter. So uh, good game there. I expect it to be a wild one. And NBA action right now uh, going oh, out. By the it- way, th- th- there's a terrible injury in that game. This uh, Donald Parham Jr. Right, the wide receiver. Seemed to have suffered a non-contact, it seems, injury in this game. It was seeing a little bit of it on social media. It's as scary looking as, I mean, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, it's, it looks like, in real time, it looked like a play you'd see in any football game on any level, any week. But I guess I guess the angle he went to the ground, they think his head or neck or something landed very strange, and he was taken out in a stretcher in a very weird, mm. like his body is still stiff as he was leaving the field, so... Wow. My God, pray for this young kid. It, it's something you might see when somebody gets knocked out in the uh, UFC. Yes, the whole body, the body stiffens, just up. stiffens up. But oh, he ha- it hasn't unstiff. I mean, he was on the ground for a while, and right. they put him on a stretcher, and they're leaving. And um, they couldn't rev- they couldn't get snap him out of it. I guess. Oh man, I tell you, that's as scary as anything I've seen. Yeah, I keep I keep slow motioning the little video on my phone. It looks like he can't. It looks like he may have like whiplashed his head. When he landed, and that's all you know. That's it's turf, but it's hard. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, so far there's no give up really on that field. God, prayers uh, for this kid that he's okay. Wow, believable. All right, I'm sorry, I don't want to make game. a downer on your sports trip. No, 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 I mean, no. If, good, good, but, good feedback. Yeah, usually you got Oof. dead people, so this kid's still alive. He's that's true. That's out. true. Well, let's get over to the NBA. Just a couple of quick scores uh, right now. The uh, Pacers in the great state of Indiana. We love Indiana. Ninety-seven, eighty-six <laughs> over true. Detroit. And then we have the Knicks over the Rockets, 44-33. Yeah. to 33. Uh, That's just uh, nine minutes to go in the second quarter. And, uh, boy, in Brooklyn, it's a beatdown. The Nets up 66-48 over the Sixers at the half. NHL action. Islanders are up 2-0 over the Bruins. And, uh, well, I'm going to go right into this report. Flyers lead the Canadians in Montreal 2-1 at the end of the second. And Montreal Canadians to play Philadelphia Flyers without fans in attendance because of COVID-19. This is an ESPN report. Big D, here we go. It's just like it started last time. As a result of the spiraling rise of COVID-19 cases in the region, the Montreal Canadiens will host, or they are right now hosting the Philadelphia Flyers (laughs) at Bell Center without any fans in attendance tonight. The Canadians agreed to the request from Quebec public health officials earlier this afternoon. We have accepted this request in order to help ensure the safety and security of our fans and fellow citizens throughout our community, the Canadians said in a statement. We have obtained assurances that beginning with our games in January, we'll We'll return to a partial capacity scenario and be able scenario and be able to host fans once more. So in January, it's going to sweep out big day. Sure, They'll be able yeah, to get yeah. the fans back. NHL is only about a hundred percent vaccinated in the NHL community. I think all the teams, however many teams, I think it's about a hundred percent vaccination uh, that they're running there, or ninety nine percent. But I'm sure whatever the percentage is. Whatever's left is it's their responsibility for why nothing is working. If it's 99%, it's the 1% that's responsible for all of this, what's going on. Well, Not that their precious vaccines don't work. No, 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 no. It's the 1% who haven't gotten them that's responsible for all this. 
Well, COVID continues to connect, contaminate other sports. Ohio State, Kentucky men's basketball game canceled due to COVID-19. Uh, that was reported earlier by Yard Barker, Zach Wasink. The number 15-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes confirmed Thursday afternoon they won't play against the number 21-ranked Kentucky Wildcats on Saturday in the CBS Sports Classic held in Las Vegas because of coronavirus setbacks affecting the Buckeyes. And the match will not be rescheduled. And by the way, the Washington football team, they've had their troubles. They also have 21 players is on the reserve COVID-19 <laughs> list going into this weekend to take on rival Philadelphia Eagles. And they're both fighting for that last wild card spot. So I tell you, we're not far away. And Baker Mayfield has some real heavy tweets later on this evening. I'll get into that a little bit later. Well, we may start to see some NFL games getting canceled. And, uh, oh, boy, we're just going down a real slippery slope here, Big D. Not good. Yeah. Gee, do we have that? Um, do we have Fauci anywhere on his or the the on the Christmas? If you're going to get together with Christmas, <laughs> do we have that clip? Three. Let's let's hear let's hear three. This is the the big doctor today. Colleges are closing down. Gatherings are being canceled. Uh, should we expect that come the come the spring, come the end of the winter term, uh, colleges are going to have to stay closed? I hope not, George. I hope that if we get enough people vaccinated and boosted and continue to abide by the recommendations of the CDC, for example, like masking when you are in an indoor congregate setting, I believe that we can get through this surge. I mean, obviously, in the winter months with indoor congregating with the holiday season, inevitably, we are going to see even more cases than we're seeing now. But if we handle it well and continue to push on the vaccinations, I hope by the time we get through the winter, we'll be on a downslope as opposed to an upslope. To handle it, do we need to limit holiday gatherings, limit holiday travel? Yeah, I don't think so, George. I think if we do it the way it's been done now, in other words, making sure and when you travel, go to an airport, wear a mask. You have to wear a mask on a plane. If you and your family are vaccinated and boosted, hopefully, you should feel comfortable about having a holiday situation where you have dinners and gatherings in your own home with family and friends. But that will only be safe if people get vaccinated. <laughs> Thank you. Good timing, G. <laughs> I saw the video of some woman, I think in Australia, who said, forget going to Christmas. Make, on your way to your Christmas party, stop and go get a booster. That's the most important thing you can do. I mean, these people are sick in the head. Sick. They're just sick in the head. Sick. They don't Again, let it I, don't, you know, I don't, wherever you stand on this whole thing, you're, you're, you're for vaccinations most of the time. You're, you're not for that. Wherever you stand, I, I once again encourage you with an open mind to go listen to Dr. Peter McCullough. He addresses masks in this interview for an extended 10, 15, 20 minutes about the fact that they are absolutely useless. You've seen now two of the CEOs of these uh, big airlines come out and say, you know, yeah, the air on the plane is circulated. I mean, they, these add nothing. Finally, you're, you know. You yeah, know, the, the CEOs, one, of, one being uh, Gary Kelly, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, who told lawmakers during a congressional hearing uh, yesterday, uh, I think the case is very strong that masks don't add much, if anything, in the air cabin environment. It's very safe and very high quality compared to any other indoor setting. Uh, I concur, said Doug Parker, the head of American Airlines. An aircraft is the safest place you can be. It's true of all of our aircraft, and they all have the same HEPA filters and airflow. 
And as Dr. McCullough breaks it down, the idea that this mask is going to stop these, it's like uh, mosquitoes going through a chain link fence. Uh, the <laughs> amount of air that moves around in there and and the size of these uh, molecules, that the ma- there's just no chance that it's going to do anything. He says, yes, do I wear a mask if I go into a surgical room? Absolutely. If it may sneeze, it may prevent, you know, certain, but as far as this, absolutely not. The other myth, the other big myth is the hand sanitizer myth. He says the whole hand sanitizer thing was such a joke. He says, this is not something that you're going to pick up from putting your hand on something. It's airborne. It's air. You're not going, and I'll tell you the other thing he says that you'll learn in this is that he says, you cannot catch it twice. Which Joe Rod- Rogan pushed back and said, I know people who have gotten it twice. And he said, no, you don't. <laughs> you, know, you may think you do, but no, you don't. Uh, I'm just, I'm telling you, I can't encourage you to go listen to it enough. All right, hour two, more sports news coming up. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Nine o'clock on the East Coast, live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's going to have the news. Rick Emirati's got sports. Lots to do here in hour two. Um, you know, gee, I know we have a crazy town tonight, but I got a lot of people who wanted to see the crazy town from yesterday. The year old boss speaks at the <laughs> drunken speech at the party. Do you still have that? All right, so let's look that up in a second, and then we'll... Uh, because, man, I got a lot of people um, who asked for it. The other, uh, You know, not to keep hammering on Liz Cheney, but why not? Because she deserves it. There's a good piece in Town Hall by Spencer Brown uh, entitled Enemies Among Us, uh, which I'm not going to read the whole thing to you here. I'll link it on our Twitter. But uh, you can just find by the title, Enemies Among Us. We've talked a lot about the, the problems of the Republican Party, you know, in a different way, Mitch McConnell. On people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and some of these types. So uh, it's a good article. Spencer Brown, Enemies Among Us in Town Hall today. I'll link it on our social media. We got that, Jay? All right, in case you missed it or you just want to see it again, here is our um, crazy town from yesterday when your drunk, crazy old boss speaks at the Christmas holiday party. Roll it, Jay. Well, good evening. Thank you, Com, for that introduction and for your partnership. It is a partnership. And Jill, the amazing first lady, lady I, uh, first lady. I don't know how she does it. I can't keep up with her. I also want to thank Nancy Pelosi. She's been a good, close friend for a long, long time. I think she may be the best speaker we've ever had. Jim, are you here? I don't know whether Jim's here or not, but if he, I tell you what, I have to admit to you, I have one serious regret because of the change we hoped if people had moved on 
getting all their vaccines, we would have been in a position to change the way in which this takes place. But next year and this year before it's over in the White House, 81 million people showed up to vote. 81 million. Think about what that means. No matter what they're anyway, I, I don't want to get going in there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> look, is that what it means? That's what the refundable tax that credit. No, uh, I really whatever. mean it, man. I yeah. look, I told you all, I ran for one reason. Not to do anything other than do what I thought was the right thing to do. I tell you what, I don't know how many times we hear infrastructure week, infrastructure week. <laughs> Holy God, I couldn't stand another. <laughs> Never again. Are you going to have to sit out in front of a McDonald's oh. in a parking lot to be able to tap into their internet so you chalk and do your homework? And this law is going to create millions of jobs, good paying jobs you can raise a family on, union jobs. Here's the deal. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about young people, whether they can get kids daycare. I'm worried about families and elderly grandparents and what their lives are at stake. Everyone, everyone, everyone is a little harder. So, you know, so mom can, grandmom can walk out without having, uh, out of her porch without worrying about falling, can take care of herself, can be left alone. They're going to keep working to pay the bills. Look, go out and party. my plan is simple. We're going to make sure we take care of mom. We're going to take care of the child. And that insulin, it costs 10 bucks to, child, to, to make. Or there's getting more extreme, more destructive. We can't afford, we can't afford to do all this <laughs> without raising no, taxes on a single penny and anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Sure. And experts acknowledge if we do this, we're going to reduce inflation, not increase it. Oh, no. Reduce inflation. Yeah. In fact, I got unsolicited 17. a letter from 17, 17. Nobel laureates in economics. Nobel laureates. Looked at our plan and said they see long-term inflation. <laughs> they, they will, it will save yeah. and serve against sure. long-term inflationary pressure. Yeah. They're following my predecessor deep into the abyss. The struggle is no longer just who gets to vote or making it easier for eligible Here people to vote. That's it's about who gets to count the vote, yes. ah. whether your vote counts at all. Yeah. It's a sinister combination of voter suppression and election subversion. Now we look at 2022. <laughs> I want to tell my Republican <laughs> friends, get ready, pal. You're going in for a problem. You're going in for a problem. 2022. Yep. <laughs> I love that thing. Get ready, pal. Get ready, pal. Come on, pal. We're going I really for a problem. Pal Joey. But so you know you're drunk. Explain to the Use American the people what's in each of these pieces of what they, what we've done for them. But it's not about Jill and I or Kamala and them. It's not about us. <laughs> Whoever. I just said to Jill, you guys should have walked up the station. You were so sensible. Get this guy out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? Yeah. All right, anyway. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think, fellas? All right, I'll make this next one a double, would you please? Yeah. <laughs> nice hooch. <laughs> Rick said that. Oh, God. oh my God. <laughs> Well, so there you go. If you missed it last night, here's your old drunk boss at the Christmas party. Either that or you'll see a version of that next week at your Christmas party. Yeah, well, it won't be that good. I'll tell you that. So, um, All right. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> Man, oh, man. That is unreal. Good piece of the American thinker. Speaking of this Omicron variant that Fauci and them are using, of course, to reinstall fear. In all of you, media is, of course, complicit in helping them do that, which is why, of course, most of us think they're mostly sleazeballs. Um, and they're 
you know, they're, they're full court press here from the Omicron scare you back into submission is in full effect. Some places more than others. And there's a piece by Linda Killian in the American Thinker today. Governor Kathy Hochul of New York, our new COVID nurse ratchet. Her recent decision to impose renewed universal COVID masking mandates, denying access to public venues to unvaccinated individuals and imposing $1,000 fines, tests 100% positive for ham-fisted political intent. Like the fictional nurse ratchet in uh, Ken Kesey's classic novel, Governor Hochul is an example of how elected and unelected officials abuse their transitory institutional powers by controlling access to basic necessities and punishing those who misbehave. Hochul's mask edict, which followed a knee-jerk cessation of elective surgeries immediately after the emergence of the Omicron variant, shows little regard for the knowledge acquired during the world's 18-month-long COVID experience the intelligence of voters, and the desire for coming to terms with a new phase of disease. Not to mention a lack of executive competence and an inability to take into consideration the likely negative consequences of her own executive action. Hochul announced abruptly on December 10th that all New Yorkers would be subject to the new rules starting December 13th and continuing until January 15th, when they would then be reviewed. The rationale was an uptick in upstate New York cases, not deaths, not hospitalizations, cases. Yet all New Yorkers are subjected to the new rules. The order actually states that no small business or local governments were consulted. Enforcement is left up to local governments with absolutely no guidance many of the state's county executives have no intention of going back to the 2020 model so far more than a dozen have said they will not enforce Hochul's order the incoming county executive in Long Island's politically important Nassau County has also declared it's a waste of resources more are likely to follow because they have the common sense to avoid deploying law enforcement officers against small businesses and fed-up voters. The county executives also want no part of the counterproductive effects of the mask order. Hochul's action punishes businesses with $1,000 fines per incident if customers or employees violate her mask mandate. It comes at a time when restaurants and retailers are hoping to recoup monetary losses during their first COVID shutdown. New York reaps billions of dollars from its sales tax. How many customers are going to go shop in Connecticut, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania where universal mask mandates have been lifted? Employers in New York City had just begun luring workers back into brick-and-mortar workplaces. The Hochul order is a disincentive for them to return to the office. This is yet another setback to the economic recovery of New York City and its transportation infrastructure. New York's average unemployment rate is 7%. New York City's is 9.4%. 
compared to an average of 4.6 for the nation. But instead of focusing on the state's economy, Governor Hochul is fixated on getting people vaccinated. After nearly one year of availability, the number of adults willing to take the shots has peaked. More thoughtful and politically intelligent Democrat governors in states like Colorado, New Jersey, and North Carolina, you know, if they're, if they're comparing you to the, the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, who's about as dumb as a stump, and they're saying that they're politically more intelligent than you, that kind of tells you where you rank on the ladder. They're looking for and trying to adapt public health solutions to the changing environment. As New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy recently stated at the Democratic Governors Association Winter Conference, constituents are, quote, sick of masks, sick of being told what to do in terms of vaccines, and are looking for an exit strategy for COVID. They are also keenly aware that economic prosperity and inflation are much larger concerns for voters than COVID. Nationally, retail sales were up a paltry 0.3% in November over October. Adjusted for 0.9% inflation, they were down 0.6%. The reason why Hochul is even worthy of discussion is that she is a highly visible example of a political hack accidentally elevated to great power, but lacking the requisite decision-making abilities required of the office. She failed to consult important constituencies. She didn't conduct any analysis of intended or unintended consequences to her state's economy and her constituents' well-being. She failed to gain support for her actions. She insulted her constituents' intelligence. With her closest Democratic rival in the 2022 gubernatorial primary eliminated, and with current Attorney General Letitia James' decision to not run anymore, there's no political need for Hochul to pander to the far left. The two potential Republican candidates, former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino and Congressman Lee Zeldin, have been excoriating Hochul for her cluelessness. After nearly two years of COVID, the goal of the chief executive of any state and or of the federal government should be devising an exit strategy back to normalcy and economic prosperity. Judging from their actions, a few governors like Kathy Hochul are rooted in nurse ratchet mindset. Perhaps they believe that the strict mandates used by Governor Cuomo in 2020, which gained him brief national celebrity, will win them kudos from voters in 2022 when COVID is an endemic. Fighting today's battle with yesterday's playbook is not a winning strategy. More news, more sports, live from Studio 6B, another crazy town. We'll get to some clips from the day's news, all coming up. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B. All right, let me talk to you about Birch Gold. Inflation continues to rise. The value of the dollar continues to go down. The president's stumping to spend even more of your money, trillions more. 
So you're probably considering your financial alternatives right about now, and I don't blame you. If paper money becomes worthless, how do you protect your hard-earned savings? Well, one option is to consider physical gold and silver. And the folks to talk to about that are Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold are experts in precious metals. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they have options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA. So here's how you get started. Text AMERICA to 989898. And Birch Gold will send you a free information kit with no obligation. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the facts and get started today. You have nothing to lose. Text the word AMERICA to 989898. Get your free information kit from Birch Gold. They've made it super easy. Just text the word AMERICA. Type it out right there. Go to your text messages. Just type out AMERICA. And instead of sending it to, you know, your wife or your whatever, just send it to 989898. Just boom, 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 boom. Send. And you got your free information kit coming right back to you. They made it super easy. And you can find out how owning gold and silver could help protect your savings from the experts at Birch Gold Group. So do it today. Text America to 989898. All right. Live from Studio 6B, 18 past the hour. Glad you're in on a Thursday night. Let's do a little checkup on sports, see what's going on with the big game. And here with that's Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, San Diego Chargers, Justin Herbert, one-yard scramble with the touchdown. Extra point is good, and it just became 10-7, to 9-12 to go in the second quarter. So good game. And right now, Big D, the spread, it's tied at three. We're right at the three-point mark. So we'll see what happens there. We'll have one more recap before we close the show out. And the uh, NBA. NBA action. The Sixers stormed back. They were down 18 at the half in Brooklyn against the Nets, and they've now cut it to 83-79. Joel Embiid leads all scorers with 28 points, and the great Kevin Durant has 21 for Brooklyn. The Knicks are up 57-51 at the half against the Houston Rockets, and again, the great state of Indiana. They're going crazy. They're up 118-106 over Detroit with 340 to go. NHL action. Oh, that barn let me just, burner. Uh, let me just jump in for one second. Sure. I'm, I'm just trying to get an update on this this kid um i mean he's not a kid but you know what i'm saying donald parham jr from the chargers who got injured there's a couple medical professionals who i've been trying to follow during the commercial breaks here uh dr jesse morris who was i guess watching the game tweeted out um from my experience that's likely an acute concussion for donald parham and what is called posturing. It looks like his arms are frozen and stuck in that weird position. It's Ooh. extremely scary. Hope he's not seriously injured. Oh. So again, just keep this keep this young man in your prayers tonight until we get a further update. Just man, it's so, I'm telling you, I just it's replaying it in my head. Watching it on here, there's just nobody near him. No, no contact. No hit. No nothing. Just jumped. Tried to catch it and landed just, man, I tell you. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see it. You know, in football, it's such a violent game, but it doesn't even sound like this was a violent incident. It was just a freak thing. So, wow, what a shame. Um, NHL action in that empty Montreal Bell Center, the Canadians and Flyers tied at two. And down in Tampa, the Great Lightning, the champions, the great state of Florida, they're up two to one over the Ottawa Senators. 
And, uh, well, here's a good story. I love this one. Cute one. Bill's fans raised $40,000 for visual impairment charity in honor of referees in Buccaneers game. This is from Cassandra Negley of Yahoo Sports. You heard me right. Buffalo Bills fans are back at it again. The fan base is known most for getting rowdy at tailgates, but the Bills Mafia group also uh, incredibly is an incredibly generous one. This week, it channeled its irritation at the lack of a late pass interference call into 40000 raised for a local visual impairment charity. Bills fans were up in arms Sunday night when Tampa Bay Buccaneers cornerback Carlton Davis had his arms all over Bills receiver Stefan Diggs on an important third and two play late in regulation. The Bills trailed 27-24 at the time and the contact occurred on the goal line. No flag was called. The Bills could only tie the game up and the Buccaneers went on to win in overtime. Now sitting at 7-6 and six, their playoff chances took a hit and are currently at 65%. Bills fans were angry in the aftermath at the missed call that could have sent home uh, the Tom uh, could have sent home the Bills with the victory against their heated rival, rival Tom Brady and better playoff positioning, but no, no such luck. Uh, the movement uh, the movement began when Hunter Shinnebeck, a Massachusetts-based Bills fan, made a $17 donation to Visually Impaired Advancement (VIA), a Buffalo nonprofit that works with the visually impaired in the community. The organization shared on Twitter what he wrote alongside his donation. It is saddening to witness someone being unable to see the blatant pass interference on Stefan Diggs, Buffalo Bills number 14. Hopefully, this donation is a small step in the greater fight of fighting blindness and getting those with visual impairment the help they need. So something like this never happens again. $17 donation. But the VIA was smart. They put it into a proper context and they said, thank you, members, for donating $17. While we recognize that NFL referees are not visually impaired, $17 makes an impact on VIA to help individuals who are visually impaired. So, you know, there was kind of a joke, tongue-in-cheek type thing, but I thought that was a really cute story. So uh, anyway, Big D, I'm going to throw it back to you and uh, have another a couple of more stories later on. All right, very good, Rick. Um, just a, just another quick update here. I guess um, some other medical professionals jumping in saying the fencing response is what the arms in that position. It's an unnatural position of the arms following a concussion. Immediately after moderate forces have been applied to the brain stem, the forearms are held flexed or extended, typically in the air, for a period uh, lasting up to several seconds after impact. The fencing response is often observed during athletic competition involving contact. It's an overt indicator of injury force magnitude in midbrain localization to aid in injury identification and classification for events. Oh, man, I'll tell you, this, this is unbelievable. And for people on social media are just killing Fox, but I'll tell you why the camera was zoomed in on them. Because there was nothing about that play that would lead you to believe that there could possibly be an injury. Nothing. Yeah, so, and to see him carted out with his arm still fighting to stay in that position. God. Especially when, when you just read there that it usually lasts a few seconds. That was going on minutes. It was going on minutes. Which is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty scary. I, wow. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's, prob- that's not the norm. I'll just say a prayer for this kid tonight because I think, I mean, God, just say a prayer for this kid. Keep him in your prayers tonight. All right, let's do some news. Uh, what's going on, pal? All right, real quick, a consumer group has warned 10 governors about their state pension funds invested in China. 
uh, linked BlackRock. Consumer Research Group uh, sent a letter earlier this month about the state pension funds being invested into BlackRock, the world's largest investment manager, which has significant ties with China and invests in Chinese company. The Consumer Group is an educational nonprofit that focuses on informing consumers and promoting the freedom to act on the knowledge and understanding uh, the letter says that according to the group's research, from highest to lowest, there are 10 states uh, listed as such. Washington, Florida, New York, Nevada, Nebraska, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Montana, and West Virginia that should really be looking into what the pension fund investments are looking like. According to the letter, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink became a trusted leader and partner with China's communist leadership. And he's consulted them throughout economic downturns and was involved in trade negotiations with the United States. The research group director, Will Hild, told John Solomon Reports podcast in an airing on Thursday that BlackRock could not be doing more to help the Chinese Communist Party. Um, Fink wrote in a letter to his BlackRock shareholders that he firmly believes China will be one of the biggest opportunities, blah, blah, blah. In Hyde's letter to the governors, he encouraged them to do their due diligence in educating themselves and their staff on the multiple risks posed by BlackRock's investments in Chinese companies. So if you're in one of those states, you might want to start looking into it, especially if you've got uh, you know, your future, your pension locked in. All right, live from Studio 6B, we'll do some more news with Rick when we get back on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Crazy Town Time G. Dr. Fauci <laughs> receives Bill of Rights Award from the ACLU. Roll it. Dr. Anthony Fauci, aka Tony. How appropriate that the ACLU, which is one of the grandest institutions this country has ever known, that's should be honoring you, Dr. Anthony Fauci, also one of the greatest institutions this country has ever known, with the Bill of Rights Award sure. for your courage, orange jumpsuit, moral compass, moral fortitude, <laughs> moral. intelligence, oh, sure. adherence to science oh, and the yeah. truth. I'm sure you were as relieved as I was when Dr. Fauci stepped up to the podium. I didn't want opinions. Sure, just a deep voice. <laughs> I wanted the truth. She's a swimmer. We are so grateful to Dr. Fauci because tonight is our opening night. Sure. And curtain would not be going up if what it hadn't this? been for Dr. Fauci's care and guidance during this pandemic. Early on during oh. the AIDS crisis, <laughs> we faced Elton. challenges and waited for medical answers. Back then, we had Dr. Fauci. Oh, yes. A calm and resolute voice of reason. <laughs> In 2020, oh, the world was sideswiped by a new global pandemic, yeah. COVID-19. Sure. But there was Dr. Fauci once again on the front lines, speaking truth to power. Many congratulations, Tony. <laughs> I love you and you oh so deserve God. this. Yeah. Many thanks to the ACLU of Southern California sure. 
for this Bill of Rights Award, an honor I accept with sincere gratitude and humility. It seems a startling paradox that a country that once declared its independence he reads by asserting collective truths should today find itself struggling to sustain truth as an ideal. And yet here we are, our public discourse buffeted by fake news, so-called alternative facts, and claims that the truth is not the truth. Who could have imagined what an acceptance speech. becoming so <laughs> it's muddled inspiring. and lies becoming <laughs> weaponized? I should do Precisely like when Academy we urgently Award, need a unified music. front to crush the virus that's perpetuating this historic COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Instead, the truth repetitively is twisted into a casualty by ideological stands that divide us against one another. Thank you again for this wonderful honor. <laughs> God. It's like an oxymoron, Bill of Rights on one hand and then on Fauci and... Uh, Oh God, please! Oh my God, he puts you to sleep. Jeez, that was terrible. I mean, yeah, I mean, just Whoa. how about I like, hey, thanks, God. You know, I mean, yeah. how about an acceptance speech? Yeah, how about how about something off the cuff? Even I mean, if you do belong in prison, you little criminal. Well, I mean, at least give a good speech or something. Yeah. Maybe just have some bullet points that you can say, hey, you know what? That was great. Thank you so much. It's a surprise. We do our you know, try so hard. Blah blah blah. Yeah, my next GQ will be coming out. Yeah. If you didn't see my first one, make sure you pick it up at your local CVS. And by the way, while you're there, get boosted. You know, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. <laughs> the problem is Fauci may not have been the dumbest person over it at uh, and I wherever he is, uh, Nyad there. His boss, as we now know, could be well, may have been worse. Well, how do we know that, Damon? Well, here's how. Roll it, G. <laughs> I'm crazy! And it has been my great privilege to have a chance to oversee one part of that, the NIH. But I leave my post now knowing that NIH and HHS are in great hands. Sure. I guess I'd like to play us out. Well, hold <laughs> a little on. song. What? So, if I might, I just need a microphone. Why, there's a guitar right here. How about that? Wow. Oh, what a we've been going through this pandemic and trying to imagine how's it going to feel when we're finally past that. What will that be like? We're going to get there, and you're going to help us get there. So that's what this is about. Oh. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> past the pandemic. Oh. When oh we're free, there's a life I remember full of activity. I'm crazy! Somewhere past the pandemic, masks will come off. No more need for a nose swab every time we cough. We'll all complain about the traffic, forgetting how we hated Zoom. Uh, <laughs> so, we're past the pandemic. Oh, he's not done. 
We'll hug our friends. Sounds like somewhere over the brain dead. And thank the people and science that brought the pandemic's end. Good job. Thank you, HHS. I'm crazy. You know, uh, it, it's I very mean, interesting I, to, to to get your point of view, being the musician oh, yeah. that you are. Um, That's out the let, window. Let's go to our, our, our expert on the set. In-house. Um, who's been in music most of his life. Hand, me, uh, hand me the uh, Takamini there off, yeah. <laughs> off the wall. Now, now just to be fair, um, there was more to that song. Oh yeah, gee, we had to edit it. Was it was four. It was four minutes long. Oh, and that's like the first cardinal rule of of parody writing. You never write. You never go full parody song. That's rule number one. Rule number two. There's got to be jokes in there. That was terrible, horrible. I hope he takes time for his retirement to complete the album because I really <laughs> want to hear what he follows up with. <laughs> you think it'll be like a compilation of his favorite songs across, or will it just be focused on, you know, um, what do you call it, Wizard of Oz songs? Uh, he might do the Great American Songbook, but all okay. new words. Okay, all about the pandemic, of course. I, yeah. I want to, I want to know who the person <laughs> is who either comes to him with this idea. Or he went to and said, what do you think of this? One of those two happened. I, just to set the stage, this was his last day on his job. So I think he wanted to do yeah. this. That, 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 as he said, he goes, I'm going to play us out as he's leaving. That was his, his, uh, his Well, the final... guitar was there. The, somebody right. knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Whoever that is should be fired and never to work again ever. Well, not, not only that, though, he wrote this song. I mean, he knew it. He didn't have to look at words. He wasn't like, you know, oh, I just, I just came up with this. He remember, he's been practicing this. He's been writing it for the past yeah. three years. That is astonishing. Yeah. All <laughs> right, one more before we do some news, G. The LOL of the day. There was a couple things that came out of this that could have been the LOL of the day. <laughs> I'm not doing news after that. Let's see what you picked. Roll it. <laughs> I want to thank all of our distinguished guests that are here today, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the, the sec- secretary of the, uh, of the uh, uh, se- <laughs> secretary Austin, and uh, I'm Jill's husband, Jill is here. The English poet John Milton oh, once wrote, they also serve only stand and wait. They also serve only stand and wait. Afghanistan. Not a very friendly place, and trip. It's just hard to explain. I can offer no better encapsulation than the words of U.S. Army ambulance pilot in command that day. Staff Sergeant Plumley was able to organize three Polish soldiers to mount an effective defense of the base, clear the area, and regain the security posture. End of quote. Now, here's the other part of that day. And again, he, um, who's the, who's the uh, this sergeant? What, what, what did he say there at the end? Who was honored? 
who got the medal of um there was multiple freedom? recipients uh i'm, okay, a, I'm well, sorry the one, to say he just, the one he just referenced austin a staff sergeant I staff sergeant the name. somebody whoever wrote the uh proclamation later on when they did the proclamation the the guy says biden must have wrote it the guy says attention the united states the president of the united states posthumously <laughs> guy standing right there <laughs> next to biden oh, i missed that oh <laughs> guy must have thought oh wait a minute, wait a minute i'm dead <laughs> I was being hypnotized by that pickle green Christmas ornament behind him. It was very distracting. <laughs> I mean, how does that get... I mean, uh, they, they, they can't do anything right. Nothing. Why does he have such a mental block with Lloyd Austin? Well, you know what? It's funny that you say that. Tune in tomorrow for what even is that. I'll tell you why. Okay, <laughs> I won't give you not. my opinion then. I'll just let Rick handle it tomorrow. <laughs> It's a very quick answer I could give you, but I'll let Rick handle it tomorrow. So, all right, what else is going on in the news, Rick? All right. Well, uh, not sure if you've heard, but uh, Andrew Cuomo was back in the news. Why? Because a New York top ethics panel on Tuesday ordered the disgraced ex-New York governor to repay the state the $5.1 million yeah. in book profits he made on the backs of taxpayers amid the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. If he pays it back, can we have him back as governor? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it works that way. Mm. Uh, the extraordinary resolution was approved by the Joint Commission on Public Ethics in a vote of 12 to 1. Now, who's that one who said, no, let him keep the money? It'll be interesting. Uh, a month after the ethics agency voted to revoke its prior approval of allowing Cuomo to earn outside income on his book, American Crisis, Leadership lessons from the COVID-19 pandemic. While he was still governor and New York was in the throes of the deadly coronavirus outbreak, the lone dissenter is William Fisher, funny enough, who was appointed by Governor Cuomo himself. Uh, the resolution drafted by the commissioner, uh, a Senate Republican appointee, said Cuomo now lacked the legal authority to engage in outside activity and receive compensation in regard to the book and rescinded its approval. Governor Cuomo is not legally entitled to retain compensation for any form of outside activity related to the book. The panel found Cuomo's book proceeds should be turned over to the state attorney general, Latita James, uh, whose office investigative report forced a three-term Democrat into resigning after substantiating a slew of accusations of mistreatment and harassment uh, by former and current staffers. By the way, I didn't ask you, why do you think she's not going to run for governor now? Letitia? Oh, so because she probably they probably did an internal poll. They probably did some polling and found out Nobody really likes her all that much. Uh, I don't think she's very popular. I don't think she's been very popular. But it's one of these things that when you're a state attorney general, you, you, your next step, the only logical step for you from there is the governor's mansion. That's, that, they're all eyes are on, on that. And she, she probably figured, if I take him out, I'm going to look good because people don't like him. But turns out, even more people don't like her. So. Okay. That's, that's my theory. Who knows? All right, a little more sports. We'll wrap it up for a Thursday night live from Studio 6B.
live from Studio 6B13 to the hour on a Thursday night. Man, the show's gone fast. Glad you've been a part of it. Rick Delgado's been doing news. Geo Franz here. Let's do a little more sports at Rick Amorati before we wrap it up. What's going on, pal? All right, last update on Thursday Night Football out at SoFi in L.A. Uh, the L.A. Chargers are up 14-10 at the half. They came back trailing 10 nothing with two unanswered touchdowns. So 14-10, uh, to 10, another half to go. Uh, Knicks and Rockets in a good one down in Houston. 74-72. Rockets just took the lead. And uh, in Brooklyn, Barkley sent a good game. Sixers storm back. But, however, it looks like the Nets are going to win this one. 110-103, a minute to go in the fourth. But in the NBA, that could be a lifetime. Um, and that uh, UBS Arena, Islanders continue to lead the Bruins. 2-0, 9-39 to go in the third there. And um, Flyers uh, and Canadians. Canadians did win that game at home in front of nobody. 3-2, uh, and that was a final and a shootout. Uh, Tom Brady's apparel company signs Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara and other college athletes to endorsement. This is from Nick Bromberg of Yahoo Sports. Tom Brady's apparel company is now sponsoring college athletes. Brady, the name of Tampa Bay quarterback's clothing line, announced today that nine college athletes have been named endorsers of the brand. Athletes include Cade McNamara, Georgia wide receiver George Pickens, Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall, and Jackson State quarterback Shadour Sanders. Uh, having these 10 athletes represent our first Brady campaign is really special. Brady said in a statement announcing the name, image, and likeness deals. They are hardworking and driven players in the early stages of their career, and each of them embodies the the spirit and ethos in which our brand was founded. Uh, college athletes have been allowed by the NCAA, double, NCAA rules to make money off sponsorship and endorsement income this summer. So it'd be pretty interesting uh, to see how that goes. But Tom Brady's clothing line, I'll tell you, guy continues to make money. And just one last one, Big D. Again, COVID. Baker Mayfield blasts NFL COVID-19 protocol amid Brown's outbreak. This is from Adam Stites, Yard Barker. This came on about two hours ago, right before we got on the show, about three hours ago. Uh, positive tests are stacking up for the Cleveland Browns, who will almost definitely be without several key contributors for a Saturday game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Among those players may be starting quarterback Baker Mayfield, who was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list earlier today. The same day, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanowski uh, tested positive as well. A day after uh, Mayfield joined 17 other Browns players on the COVID reserve, he took to Twitter and he said, and I quote, make up your damn mind on protocols. Showing up, making only three teams test, and also you can keep the game as scheduled to make money. Actually caring about player safety would mean delaying the game with this continuing at the rate it is, but to say you won't test vaccinated players if they don't have symptoms, then to pull this randomly doesn't make any sense to me. Tell me if this makes sense. No test this morning, then let our team gather for practice, then show up after practice to test them. And that's what they did. They told the Cleveland Browns they were only going to test players that had symptoms, and that the end of the day, they decided to test them all, and huh, what do you know? A couple of guys popped hot, and now they're out of the, out for the Saturday game. So, uh, just a lot of inconsistency as it is in the whole country. NFL has gone haywire, and you know, of course, Goodell says there's no problem. You know, you have some of the healthiest um, people, most in shape, healthiest people on the planet, being talked to and controlled by some of the absolute dumbest people on the planet yep and that's half the problem it's just ridiculous out of hand so and that's a wrap in sports and by the way we we said this was going to happen yep we absolutely said this was going to happen before the season started we sat here and joked and said i can't wait to see what they're going to do when they start getting break all these cases 
We absolutely talked. Remember? Yeah. Yep. And what's crazy is that Kyrie Irving is still not tested positive. <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And Aaron Rodgers got better in about three seconds. Yep. Dana White got better in about four seconds. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, but listen, the, the gig will never be up for some of them, like Fauci and them. They'll never, ever, ever, even though he has talked about, it was the Mark Zuckerberg interview, I was reminded, that he talked about ADE. The fact that the worst thing you could do is vaccinate someone and find out that the vaccine is actually made the... Um, right. Made it worse. Made it worse. Oh, we have the cut, G? Roll it. The real safety uh, study, Mark, is to see if I inject it in the arm, does it have some sort of idiosyncratic or bad reaction? There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response, and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. Yeah. This would not be the first time. And we've done it if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. So you can't just go out there and give it unless you feel that in the field, when someone is getting infected and exposed, being vaccinated doesn't make them worse. That's why you got to do a trial. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Guess what? You were the trial. <laughs> you were the trial. Yeah. And it's still going on. And the results are, 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 for the most part, clear. You were the trial he talked about. The aggressive vaccination schedule we took on the American people and are still pushing. And are still pushing. I played you Dr. Robert Malone, who came up with this technology last night. That is the most honest, most accurate clip Dr. Fauci has ever been in, right there. He's well aware of it, well aware of, the, of that, and he's well aware sitting there today that that's exactly what's going on. But he could never, for the greater good, ever say it. He never would. So, all right, what else is going on before we wrap it up? Anything else? Well, two more, two more things came across. I'm not sure which one to go with. I'm going to go with this one because it comes from Paul's eye on the Telegram group. It's a link to an NBC News story that just broke. The scientific quest for universal coronavirus vaccines received a boost Wednesday as the top three federal researchers, including, you guessed it, Dr. Fauci, Mr. Quack Quack, outlined a path to develop new vaccines that could tackle a variety of ailments, including COVID-19, common colds, and future viruses. Mm. Writing in the New England Journal of Medicine, Fauci and two colleagues said the virus that causes COVID is unlikely to be eliminated, and current vaccines are too limited. 
So they need to develop more vaccines that yeah. can cover more variants. Other coronaviruses are also likely to spill over from animals to become future pandemic threats. And to overcome these problems, they argued that they should uh, fully commit to developing second genera- a second generation of vaccines that would provide broad protection across the genetic spectrum of sure. coronaviruses. Make them words, available at all drive throughs in the country, yeah. too. So you can order a cheeseburger, fries... You know, and uh, give me one of those um, extra special vaccines from the quack doctor. Yeah. Uh, the, the commentary, of course, offers no quick fix for the pandemic, but, pa- but Fauci's endorsement of the universal vaccine approach could serve as a clarion call and blueprint for scientists. And, and it's amazing that he's making this call now, but according to that clip, he's like, well, you can't really do that because it could end up being worse you know, for the people, if if you go that route of trying to inoculate everybody. Let's uh, remind people from yesterday who didn't see it, the President of the United States was asked about uh, COVID deaths and, of course, who's responsible for inflicting the world with this disaster. Here's how that went. There's about 800,000 coronavirus deaths. Um, do you have a statement on your responsibility? Why haven't you uh, asked China to do more to be transparent on the origin? Mr. President, so that's his response to you. When he was in the debate, he said no, nobody should be president oversees that many deaths. Well, he's got way more. That's his response. All right. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the show, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you. Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Right here, live from Studio 6B.